on the KYMN Morning Show. We are pleased to be joined as we are every Wednesday morning after a city council meeting by Mayor Rhonda Pownell and City Administrator Ben Marty. Good morning, you guys. Good morning. I'm just like looking at your guys' coffee cups. I'm like, Dad, Minnesota Dad, and good vibes only, I believe I read on there. I'm liking this. This is really good. That's great. I drink my coffee before I rise. I don't have a coffee cup. Sorry. I've got about 12. It's it's a rotation. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, just had to give you a little heart. (laughs) That's all right. Thanks for rolling with us, Jeff. For for those of you who are just tuning in, Jeff Johnson is... uh, uh, heading off on vacation this morning. He'll be back next Tuesday, so you're going to have to uh, put up with me for a few days. But uh, luckily, you also get to, d- uh, to hear the dulcet tones of our news intern, Kate Kelly, mm. as the uh, the news director this week. We had a city council meeting last night. Yes. That uh, you know, j- you, you, The thing about the, the, the council meetings is that sometimes you look at the agendas, and you can pick out right away. Oh, well, that that's going to be the main event right there. That 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 agenda item. And last night there wasn't anything on the agenda, but uh, the public comment section got uh, got pretty busy last night, didn't it? It did. And uh, I would just say to our agendas are always packed with really important stuff, Rich. Oh, don't get me wrong. Really? Everything's good. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Really important stuff, yes. And a lot of it was passed in that consent agenda, right, right with one vote. Yeah, I'm not going to allow you to, I'm not going to allow that to slide. <laughs> all there. Right. Call me out, man. Yeah. That's, that's all right. But absolutely, our public comment yeah. portion of our agenda last night was unlike, um, I think any that I've seen in a recent couple of years, at least. Right. Um, and it was absolutely fantastic. I loved it. And um, just really appreciated all the people that came out speaking primarily about their concerns with some of the Viking Terrace um, yeah. um, issues, concerns that have been raised with regards to the new ownership. And I know you've been covering that too, Rich, for yeah. folks. But um, it was just really great. And uh, just really appreciated that people felt comfortable mm-hmm. coming into the council chambers and uh, speaking directly to the council in that way. Uh, we had Claudia Garcia there. Yeah. She's our Spanish translator. That was wonderful to have her there as well to be able to translate for folks. If somebody was speaking in English and others needed to hear what the Spanish version was, she was there and vice versa. And uh, so it was just it was just really Really powerful. It, it, I would it, say. it absolutely was. And yeah. Ben, you uh, you uh, addressed the uh, the folks and some of their concerns uh, directly last night. Yeah, and some of the concerns we heard was is the the new ownership that came in. They've shared a lot of information. I haven't directly seen the documents and things, but there's new rules, regulations, and fees that are going in place out at uh, Viking Terrace Mobile Home Park. And we've heard concerns, you know, as an example, a lease going from maybe five pages, fairly limited in some of the rules and things to like a 35 to 40 page document. And some of the things they're concerned with, too, is some of them are like repairs. And we know that there are health health and safety issues related to kind of having good quality, affordable housing out there. And that's that's something that needs to get worked on. But also you need time and a reasonable amount of effort uh, to, to, to do that. And things are costly right now. And there's even maybe delays on materials. So we're sensitive to that issue. I think also things like restricting the number of pets like yep. to people who have their pets. They're like family to them. Mm-hmm. And so that can be stressful. And um, things like outdoor storage of things, too, like the girls have to be inside sheds and right. 
bikes have to be in sheds and things and it's a it's a really kind of vibrant community and a lot of activity and kids out there too and so i think there's a lot of stress a lot of times these corrective action notices that are being received too have the language that sometimes includes things like that could be up to and including eviction could be the result of not following compliance and that can be scary to anybody yes. to get notices like that and so um, the community is organizing the justice center which is kind of a legal aid that helps um, has expertise in this area is giving advice to the to the residents and uh, they've organized into an association that's allowed under the law that's great that our community advocates that helped organize the residents and they're empowering themselves um, there's also some legal aid assistance in southeast uh, Minnesota, too, that on a one-on-one basis, there's some legal aid. So I talked about that service that's there because those are roles that the city can't really play in providing kind of that mm-hmm. like legal advice, uh, legal advice between two two different parties. Some of the areas where we can, though, um, that, that I talked about um, was that the city council, through the strategic plan, we're already working through a tenant rights ordinance update, kind of as a future phase to our rental code changes sure. that we've done recently. So the timing's pretty good on it. Now, we actually don't have any uh, current rental units that are out in Viking Terrace, but that could change mm-hmm. in the future. But we are also adding to that ordinance work now as a result of this um, uh, mobile home park ordinance review that we'll sure. be taking a look at to really kind of dig in. There's similar types of issues that you might see on tenant ordinances. Should we be looking at that in mobile home? Our city attorney's office is researching it. They're in, they're in direct conversations with the uh, deputy attorney general uh, in Minnesota, who also mm-hmm. you know deals with some of these disputes and rights. The Department of Health actually currently regulates most of the rules and standards of mobile home parks, including here in Northfield. Um, so there's actually pretty little local control currently in Northfield as it relates to some of the issues that there's concerns with. In the areas that we can, like tree maintenance and concerns over trees that are maybe falling down or they've asked tenants to take care of it, that's actually an ownership issue. And our staff is working with the owner to take care of that on their own, not right. place that burden on the um, tenants. So I, I talked about that. Um we're also just we're really connected with the stakeholders to identify if there's other potential areas we can help out with. The city council um, is exploring or will be exploring. The mayor's on the committee that's looking at federal ARPA dollars to potentially help fund the mobile heart, home park rehab coordinator. Mm-hmm. The Healthy Community Initiative is hired to help do with repairs. Great timing to have that position in place. Um, and we're going to be exploring other areas that maybe can the city get involved. It's going to take some time. So that, that was planned to be probably a three to four month process of kind of review um, to come back to the Housing and Redevelopment Authority and the council as it relates to those ordinance issues. I think with what's going on, too, we'll be looking to see if there's any urgency on any of those, if we need to expedite anything. So we'll keep our ear to the ground. But the city is active. We're very concerned at a staff level. And as I mentioned last night, from the mayor and other council members, too, the elected people are very engaged and concerned in what they're hearing. And um, so staff's taking that as a directive to to really put some number of resources to it. We probably have half a dozen of staff, different positions, including myself, kind of taking on different components of this. It's not all we're doing, right. but it's certainly um, certainly something we're we're putting special attention to. Well, I you know, I've been to some of the organi- organizing meetings that the Viking Terrace uh, residents have had and it you know, I've seen both you Ben and uh Yuranda at those meetings and and it was really great last night to see the support from the uh, from the community for the Viking Terrace community and to hear that support then coming back again from the dais. I think everyone really appreciated yeah. that. I think it was really fun to see that it it wasn't
wasn't just, uh, there are a lot of people just gathering around and lending a hand that mm-hmm. really care about what's going on there. And I think if we can stay focused on finding solutions, I think we will all be in a much better place. And so I'm just so grateful that we have the staff capacity yeah. right, to be able to address the concerns uh, that are ours as a city to help find solutions for. And that hasn't always been the case. So this is one of the ways that funding city government is so important because it enables us to serve our community in a much better way. So just really grateful to our city staff that are watching this, our city attorney, Alyssa Harrington, uh, working on behalf of our community, as well as all the community advocates that are out there. This community cares for one another. And I think um, we're going to be in a much better place after this situation. That's my hope. Yeah, I'd like to maybe emphasize, too, what the mayor said related to the to providing the resources, the one of the things last night that I don't know that we we had our Spanish interpreter who was there, which mm-hmm. the city council actually initiated the staff like unsolicited uh, during uh, many years ago during a budget process, saying we need some translation services increased to better communicate with our community members, and we said okay, we'll develop some opportunities for you, and the council ended up funding first a half time position, mm-hmm. then got it to a full time position. That cost dollars, so again. Yep. We've seen some tax increases as a result, but it's an investment. Frankly, if we didn't have our translator last night, it would have been a disaster, I think, if we wouldn't have had you know, a Spanish translation going on where we could go two-way communication directly hearing from people is really important for us to do that. So kind of, that's a great point the mayor made. And I just wanted to emphasize that too, that these are real investments and they have real meaningful impact sometimes on, on these decisions that the council's making on, on budgets. And, and Claudia Garcia, the, the, the Spanish language translator is just a remarkable person too. She's a really, she's a really neat lady. Yes. She's a gem. Yes, she is indeed. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the regular agenda. We had the second reading of the, uh, uh, conversion therapy ban for minors and vulnerable adults, uh, along with, uh, the summary publication of said, uh, ban. And then we talked a little bit about, uh, you guys talked a little bit about, uh, uh, fines for, for all those things as well. Yep. Yeah, we'll be having some communications going out on on that. Um, Basically, just a couple of points to emphasize with that. What we're really talking about is, again, like you said, it's for underage, it's for children, it's for vulnerable adults, and it's really related to not forcing somebody to be a different gender than what they recognize themselves as. That's kind of what the conversion therapy that would be banned. There are some exclusions. So there are religious exclusions. Um, we have constitutional rights. And so there are some exceptions there um, related to that issue. And it's not about people that are finding their way and seeking kind of a therapy that you know, kind of gets them to understand right. the issues of gender, which is a common practice, right. an important part of that too. So we want to make sure people understand that. Right. Frankly, we don't think this is, uh, it, it's pretty well, you know, recognized in professional associations, in um, ethical conduct, uh, things for medical professions and psychology. It's pretty well discredited uh, across the board. We don't think this could be an issue here. And ultimately the state's kind of still working through this issue and it's probably ultimately more appropriate at a statewide level to be dealing with some of this stuff but um it uh locally though that it's not in effect and so there are a number of cities that have done this and it will be going into effect here uh in, in i think about a month uh will be going into effect so we're not expecting this to probably be something that we deal with but it's on the books if it's yeah. an issue and mary you've got some concerns about about the ban itself though don't you 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. And I mean, I've expressed those and I really don't want those to be the focus because I was really the only one, right, that voted against this. But primarily because I feel like it's really a state and county issue. Um, when you look at the different uh, services that our county government and our state government provide to vulnerable adults, child protective services, um, regulating uh, therapy and things like that, those are more at that state and county level. And so those were really where my concerns uh, were. Is that where the we're the wrong level of government to really be uh, putting this sort of an ordinance in place? And obviously I was the only person that felt that way. And uh, I've learned over the years, you say your piece, you vote, and you move on. And so I think last night there really wasn't a lot of discussion because we've had that opportunity to share our different perspectives. And so those three items went like clockwork. We voted on them and then moved on. So I have to say everything went like clockwork last night. After the the hour or so of public comments, I was thinking, oh, we're going to be here till 10 o'clock last night. But I I, I want to compliment, compliment the both of you for running a very efficient meeting after that um we had uh the city had a pretty good uh, day selling some bonds uh yesterday didn't didn't uh didn't we yeah i just realized i missed uh, making some notes on the interest rate <laughs> oh. in, my, in my notes here but i think i pretty much remember yeah. roughly what it was but uh, we sold a little over four four million in bonds um Frankly, the, what we actually able to reduce the amount that we're going to be paying a little bit because uh, interest rates were better than projected. We've seen a lot yeah. of volatility, and we were getting concerned with this interest rates a couple months ago, but they've stabilized. And yesterday, our our uh, bond uh, uh, bond assistant or professional services to help with the bonding. They're not a bond council, but um, Ellers and Associate um, came in, and we had multiple bids, uh, two, about two point seven percent interest rate, I think, or around there. Um, on a true interest rate uh, for nice. the bonds, which is still very good, mm-hmm. um, even in this kind of volume environment. And we're at the third highest rating that we can get in order to get uh, bonding as well. So because because Northfield's a strong, uh, got a strong economy and good management practices and things too, we're probably about as good of a rating you can get. I don't think currently with our community that we could probably go up from a double A on standard imports rating agency, but it's certainly good to know. Uh, and there's many opportunities for us to improve regardless of whether it directly translates to, to improvement on that, but it's going to help fund our, um, street projects as well as a couple of pieces of equipment a fire truck and a public works uh, large right. truck as well so right. good news i guess on the on the borrowing yeah. front mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and then we heard uh, uh, a presentation and i'm sorry i didn't catch the, uh, the 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 name of the woman who made the presentation but oh, uh, sure. about the uh, ex- uh, working on the uh, ncrc building and and in particular 50 north yeah so that has been in process pam anderson is her pam name anderson. 292 Design Group, I believe. Um, she's been before the... She was at our a recent uh, City Council work session as well, reporting on some analysis, comparing and contrasting uh, our parks and recreation system within the city, primarily focused on parks, I would say. And last night was there as uh, part of her work uh, that they we, I guess, have been in process with them since about 2019, really looking at that 50 North uh, portion of the NCRC building, as well as uh, the other portions of the building that we have, Three Rivers Community Action 
um, which is there primarily. You have Head Start that's in the building. You have Community Action Center. You have Healthy Community Initiative, the Northfield Community College Collaborative, and now we also have the uh, Rice County Social Services that was originally in City Hall, all housed in that building and really doing important work for our community. So this was part of uh, phase two to really look at the space that was vacated by our, by our um, community education and uh, to look at really the tenant needs and the expansion uh, requests and need that has been articulated by 50 North. And so it was just a, it's a building that is aged. It took, um, there was an actual referendum that went to the voters to put this in place. And so there was a lot of work to make that happen. And as with any building, there are updates and there are growing pains, right? In the sense of they're outgrowing what is there. And so this is really at that opportunity to look holistically at the building and what needs need to happen there to just get it up to 20th. 20, what are, what century are we in? Um, 21st century yeah. standards. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just really important. Again, I just, that building serves so many people in our community and really important organizations and the city as owner of the building and in partnership with those entities that exist there. It's really an important one that we do our due diligence right. and make sure that it's cared for. And it feels like, you know, like a lot of uh, city projects, uh, been talk- there's been talk about improving that building for quite some time. And now this one's yeah. just sort of rising to the top of the pile. Yeah, yeah. I'll echo what the mayor said, too, is is a a large chunk of what this project is looking at is what I would call asset preservation. This building's at a point that it's going to need HVAC system updates. It's going to need some repairs in some areas. And if we don't take care of a public asset, it's going to be way more expensive later to deal with the problem, and it's going to be a lot harder (laughs) to deal with. So I know we're talking partially about possibility of expanding some things, particularly with 50 North. Like the mayor said, uh, with the other users in there, it's probably more about how they use the space differently right. than it is adding on some of that within, like, the Community Action Center and HCI's work um, and things. But um, it's really at a point where we're going to need to do some something with that building, and yeah. the next phase is going to be looking at how we pay for that and then probably taking a deeper kind of analysis on prioritization of uh, sure. of these different uh, components. Yeah, the, the full price tag was... was not small. It was. I, I think if if everything got done, I think uh, Dave Bennett said it would be somewhere around eighteen million dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. So yeah, are, are, are we talking? We're talking about incremental things here, aren't we? Right. And in the grand scheme of things, when you hear about updates to major buildings within our community, that's actually a small amount. Yeah. Right. It might seem large to residential homeowners, but. Uh, when you're looking at updating any sort of commercial building, that really is not a, a large amount. And considering uh, the people that are serviced out of that building, just a really important investment for us as a community. And I would also say in in correlation with the bonding, our bonding rating um, bondholders, they're looking at uh, communities that are taking care of their investments and not allowing them to fall into disrepair. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really important. Um, and it's also important for people that are looking to locate here in Northfield and serving those that are here as well as other businesses that are looking, where do I want my business 
to be and ensuring that the resources and the benefits of the community there that you've got structures within your community that are well cared for we're not talking uh over the top type facilities we we have very uh within reason quality facilities and we should do that as a community to serve people that are here all right. Just a couple of minutes left. Um, I, the uh, this is the uh, the section of the uh, the meeting where I had to look some things up because I'd never heard this term RFQ before. But uh, the the Fifth and Water Street project is uh, you you guys had a little uh, quick uh, conversation about uh, establishing a, a group that's going to uh, work on the development of that project. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's uh, let's equate it to a homeowner perspective, I guess, uh, to help you with that a little bit. You, you need to do some repairs to your, your home or yeah. you're looking to put a new deck on to take advantage of it. The first step is maybe looking to see who's all out there that does this work and who you might want to work with. And you might not want to work with certain people. So the right. qualification process that we're going through would be trying to find a partner developer and design teams that would work with the city to scope out our redevelopment project, work with key stakeholders, work with the community to try and refine exactly what, what our goals are that's also realistic in the market conditions that we're into um, to ultimately lead to a new mixed-use, um, world-class uh, development that would engage the public realm along the river with a new private uh, development along water street there and then in the future phases we negotiate our cost to them to actually perform and build it so Mm -hmm. you know somebody first kind of help design the deck and then once we get the deck designed we'll decide whether or not we can negotiate a reasonable price for that deck and if not we'll part ways if we are we're going to go ahead and build that great deck so try and simplify it i guess so that's the process we're going through we want uh this is a unique site um we heard we did hear from a handful of developers that there's this is a this hits a lot of marks on a really unique opportunity and northfield's got a strong enough market it's close enough to the metro and things too that this is really going to draw some attention to it it's a restricted site though it's pretty small um mm-hmm. so that's added some complexity we need to deal with issues like parking and flow of traffic mm-hmm. on a fairly small site yep. we're not going to be able to achieve all of our community goals um, so we need somebody who's done these projects before, who have done mixed-use developments that can show us and prove it um, on submission of their proposals that they've done it before and that they've got a quality team that can help with us, and it's ultimately a good relationship issue to, to make it work. So uh, we'll be releasing this out. There'll be some direct solicitation. It'll be technically publicly available for anybody to put in a proposal on it. Um, and then in August, there'll be some reviews to hopefully come back to the council with a recommendation in September uh, to identify a partner on the project for us. All right. And then finally, we talked about uh, uh, um, governance effectiveness in, you know, within uh, boards and commissions. And uh, Mayor Pondell, you are you are intimately involved in some of that. So maybe it's uh, let's let you talk about that a little bit. Yeah, and I would say our city staff have really been doing a lot of. Um, research on this and looking at what other cities have in place, but I think it, you don't realize until after maybe you've been here for a while, and I think I, I know it a little bit more intimately now as the mayor and yeah. looking at the, when you're looking at bringing people on to serve on the different boards and commissions, we, right now we have, um, boards and commissions that are sometimes multiple um, boards are meeting on the same night at the same time, right. and it makes it really difficult if you need to be at multiple ones, right? <laughs> it is possible, right? You can yep. be in three places at the same time if you really want to be. <laughs> um, 
But also just uh, the onboarding and the training that's provided and just that, um, yes, just aligning the different processes and things. There are base level or foundational type things that shouldn't be political, that if we can just get them all aligned and functioning the same way, I think it's going to be a, a huge benefit to people that are trying to understand it and work within it so we don't have uh, chairs doing different roles in depending on which board or commission they're on. Mm-hmm. City staff know where the training is for the onboarding for each and every one. Um, just a, yes, yeah. efficiencies makes it easier for really everyone. Our city staff uh, makes it a better experience for our board and commission members that are coming on and as well as council members. So just trying to get some, what do you call that? Just some... Symmetry, would you say that? Is that the right word? Sure. Um, Synergy. Sure, sure. Yeah, you'll yeah. allow me to do that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but, but we, I mean, we are, we are trying to streamline the process yeah. and, and, and refine things. I mean, you're, yeah. you're talking about uniformity in the, uh, in the, uh, uh, bylaws and such. Yeah. Speaking of onboarding and new council people too, we should probably. I know you're about oh, out of time, oh my but if, gosh. You could, if you could have the mayor maybe early talk about a new council person that's going to be joining next that's, month. That's maybe the other really important story from the meeting too. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah, so we had a special meeting. Yes. Before. I have to ask you a quick question. Yeah. I was at that meeting. Was yeah, that yeah. a closed meeting? Did I no. crash that thing? No. Okay. No, if it was a closed meeting, I would have been booting you right All out right, of there, All right, that's good. Rich. That's good. All right. No holds barred. Okay. I know you have no problems booting you. Yeah, no. I, I don't mind getting booted. <laughs> no, it was a public meeting. I believe it was recorded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. so people can go back and view it. And we had just some amazing people step up to offer to fill in a, for a very short time period, a six month time period here until uh, the end of the year to fill in uh, Counselor Susie Nakazian's Ward 1 position and uh, finding really highly qualified people within a very small area of the community that are willing to just step into a role kind of seamlessly and know and understand kind of what they're doing. Um, it takes a long time yeah. to, if, if you've never been involved in city government, there's just a lot to learn. And they're stepping in in a time where we're in intense budget season. And both of the people that um, interviewed for the position before the city council last night were highly qualified. Jeff Wheeler was one of them. And we also had Sean Allen. And the council ultimately uh, moved forward with Sean Allen. And I think uh, both of them would have been uh, just a wonderful, both of them would have done a really wonderful job and just so pleased that they were willing to do that. Sean uh, has, grew up here in Northfield, went to St. Olaf College, even served on the Planning Commission for a short time period there. Uh, he has worked for a community foundation managing a nationally recognized affordable housing finance organization. He's founded and led a grassroots arts organization, helped develop numerous affordable and market rate housing projects and created a restaurant brewery. That's a great fit. And uh, he's not looking and does not have any plans to run for elected office. Uh, here in Northfield and is just really interested in serving our Northfield community again. And so it's wonderful that he's willing to step into this role. Again, it's just a really short time period. Uh, we do have one person that's running for elected office in that Ward 1, Kathleen Holmes. And 
depending on the outcome of that election, she would then come in and uh, serve, start serving in sure. January, sure. which is that normal time frame usually. Right. So. Right. Anyway, thanks for allowing us to highlight that. Well, I, I'm so sorry because I like I absolutely wanted to talk about it. And I just blew right past my own notes. So uh, we're here to help you out too. Yeah, thank you so much, both of you. Yeah, and also just we're in the midst of board and commission recruitment process okay. started All in right. July. Um, so anybody out there interested in serving on a board or commission, please, you can find all the information online. You can submit your application online, which is one of those efficiencies that we uh, get established previously. It was just on paper. But you can still do the paper version if you really want to. Sure. So yeah. anyway. Look for it all on the uh, Northfield City website. Yeah. Mayor Rhonda Pownell, City Administrator Ben Marty, thank you. As always, we do appreciate you guys being here. Yeah. Thanks, Rich. Right. Thanks, guys. We-